From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this episode, Housing First Minnesota's new executive director, James Bagley, talks to FNC reporter Brian Johnson. Housing First Minnesota tapped Bagley as its executive director in late June. In that role, he leads an organization that represents nearly a thousand builders, remodelers, developers, and industry suppliers. All right. Well, I'm pleased to be joined by James Vogley, new executive director of Housing First Minnesota. James, um, thanks for joining me today. It's good to see you. Great to see you, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, for sure. So James is a veteran of the housing industry in Minnesota, has been with Housing First Minnesota, formerly known as the Builders Association of the Twin Cities, since 2006. Uh, Most recently, James was vice president of advocacy at Housing First Minnesota, where he was the architect of the industry's emergence as the leading voice for housing in Minnesota. So just uh, wondering if you could maybe start from the beginning, James, and talk about your you've been involved with Housing First Minnesota slash Batsy for quite some time now. I know in the past you, you you've been at the Capitol and have done a lot of kind of behind the scenes advocacy work there. Now I assume you'll be taking a little more of a, I guess, a public high profile position. Is that um, a fair way of putting it? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's a, it's a great opportunity. So yeah, the, the, the new role will be, um, you know, organizational leadership and, and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for the chance to, you know, sort of take, you know, the work that we do at the Capitol and broaden that out and, and try to, you know, grow the conversation. Um, you know, our advocacy work is always going to be a high priority, but, you know, we're trying to elevate the housing conversation and really the housing cause to a much broader audience. We think this is a competitiveness issue. It's a community issue. And, and, and you know, my role and, and what I've been tasked with doing is to try to bring you know, and that conversation together and to elevate, you know, home ownership um, as an issue that Minnesotans ought to think about um, and, 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 and think about it as a community um, value and a competitiveness uh, issue for our state going into the future. So, um, but, you know, your question about it's, it's interesting. I was actually previously in the industry before Batsy in 2006. So I, I like to tell people um, it's been two short decades of, of time in the industry and, you know, as I, as I think back, um, you know, I came, I was on Governor Ventura's staff and a colleague of mine got the job at the Builders Association of Minnesota. And, and so that was my on-ramp into the industry. And I just fell in love with it. And I've, I've, I've never found an opportunity that matches 
sort of the the technical um, elements and sort of assembling all the different uh, pieces of, of, of building and remodeling and developing. That's all very interesting to me. But then just the cause. Homeownership is wildly popular um, across every demographic segment, every political segment. People want to own homes in Minnesota. It's 90%. And so to be able to work in an industry and to lead an organization like ours um, with something that 90% of the people want, 90% of the people don't agree on virtually anything. Um, but homeownership, they agree on. So that's that's a really, really cool opportunity for us and our team to, uh, to be able to work in the industry. Yeah. And what was your role in the Ventura administration? I was I was a policy assistant, so equivalent to a legislative assistant. It was uh, first job out of college, administrative work, um, fascinating sightline into you know, public affairs. And it was a really interesting time. I was there in, in late 99 through 2000. So his, his second year, you know, sort of full year in office. That must have been an interesting job with one of our um, more interesting governors. <laughs> it was. And if you remember, it was, it was, it was sort of a, you know, there was, there was a tripartisan arrangement with the Independence Party governor, uh, the DFL-led Senate, and a GOP-led House. And so, yeah, that was my, that was my introduction to Minnesota politics. So I was, I was very new and, you know, I just, I soaked it all up and it was, uh, it was, it was quite a time. Right. And then, so tell us a little bit about your advocacy work at the Capitol for Housing First Minnesota. And I guess we can start with the most recent legislative session. What would you say are some of the things that you're tracking at the Capitol this year and what did or didn't happen that you were, um, you know, with regard to the home building industry? Yeah. Um, so, you know, this session was a very interesting one. I would say the what we tracked most closely and what we were most directly involved in was a comprehensive effort. It was it was it was titled the Housing Affordability Act, Legalize um, um, Affordable Housing Act. And it was uh, Representative Elkins in the House and Senator Dreheim in the, in the Senate. And it was a collection of proposals that looked to modernize zoning and permitting. Um, and planning um, to try to, you know, sort of introduce starter homes and that missing middle market that just doesn't exist in in our um, housing market today in this region. So that that got its, you know, sort of most, you know, prominent, you know, hearing, um, and and it moved all the way to the the end of session, and at least portions of it did to the end of session on the Senate uh, side. And and I and I thought, you know, that was a very, very important step for Minnesota to begin to think more, you know, innovatively about how do we modernize zoning in our state? We have not done, and this was uh, Representative Elkins sort of, you know, opening remark. We haven't modernized. The last time we did any substantial work on Minnesota zoning laws was 1994, which was my senior year in high school. So that's a long time ago now. And, and so we, it's time you know, what was, you know, sort of the well-intentioned work in 1994. Our argument is that has to be looked at and refreshed. Um, Don't have to throw it all out, but we need to say what, you know, in 2022, what is the housing market? How can we be responsive and balance all the interests that, you know, the legislature is asked to balance? So that was a a big one. It didn't happen, of course, Um, like like most things in the omnibus bills. uh, Those, they just, you know, the whole 
the whole global deal stalled at the end. So that, you know, we were disappointed with that, but understand this was, you know, sort of a much bigger issue than just housing. You know, interesting, Brian, <clears throat> the, 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 the other piece that maybe flies under the radar is the coalition of interests that were involved. Um, you know, I go back long enough where, you know, at many times, um, myself or, or others on our team, Peter Coyle or Nick Erickson, they were the only testifiers on a bill like this. And there were now five, 10 different organizations, local, regional, national, that had weighed in. We had Zillow um, testifying. We had, you know, Sonda. We had uh, the George Mason University, who's got a, an incredible research arm in the Mercatus Institute. Um, they, 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 they helped, I think, you know, fill out the debate. It's not just Housing First Minnesota, the trade group for the home building industry. It's 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 Housing First Minnesota and a large coalition, the Minnesota Chamber, the Center for the American Experiment, others, um, the Builders Association of Minnesota. We're all at the table, and 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 I think that is tremendous progress. It doesn't show up as a bill passed, but you know, in in sort of the long, you know, the long road to you know creating you know impactful change. I, I thought that was a real high point. And then I think in just in general, um, I, I thought the legislature did a, a very admirable job of balancing affordability with some of the new ideas. So there's, um, you know, some of the climate change, um, electric cars, um, you know, energy code changes. Um, those are ideas that are absolutely worth considering and we're at the table. Our contribution is one of the reasons we're in the challenging you know, spot we're in is that we've, you know, sort of said yes over four decades to, you know, sort of narrowly, you know, well-intentioned regulatory ideas and the cumulative impacts of those is they really add up and they don't always work well with each other. What we've tried to do at Housing First Minnesota is, is, is add an affordability and sort of a, an efficiency and an integration to those ideas. And I thought we made a lot of progress and that's bipartisan, by the way, Brian, you know, housing, our, our message is we, we do not see housing as a partisan issue. Um, like I said, uh, it's, it's popular across the entire spectrum and every community is focused on housing. So that was a high point. I just think people were really, um, you know, they were focused on housing in a new way. Yeah, affordability is a huge issue, as we all know. Can you explain how that ties into the zoning issue that you talked about earlier? Yeah, you know, affordability is a major issue and, and it's, it's, it's very much snowballed over the last 10 years. And, you know, I, I, at the, at the early part of my career, we still saw, um, you know, townhome and, and starter homes, small lot, single family homes coming online. And we just don't see those anymore. Uh, zoning is a piece of that. And, and when we think about, you know, zoning broadly is, is reasonable. We want to sensibly plan communities. We want to make sure that we have, you know, different land uses and predictability, you know, for communities to manage their affairs. But zoning is also used, um, that authority is also used for aesthetic requirements. Um, it's used to, you know, drive projects into the planned unit development process. And, and inevitably, the planned unit development process erodes affordability. Um, it becomes essentially a, a loophole negotiation. Uh, a, a sort of every development in a community, if it's in a PUD, is negotiated on itself, and that's a that's a very tough way to manage um, a housing market. And that's what the experts have told the legislature and have told us is, 
you're going to have some PUDs. It's essentially a variance. And we can kind of in our head say, if there were 25% PUDs, that would be about right. There's a topography issue. We all want to be sensitive, you know, to protect resources. So a, a PUD is not in and of itself problematic. But when we have cities, and, and that's what, you know, the Mercatus Institute studied, some of them are, you know, over 50, some are 75%, some are 90% PUD. That means every housing development that comes through the door under the broad zoning authority is driving into this, you know, sort of one-off negotiation. And that's where home size, lot size, garage size, aesthetics, you know, design elements, um, tree ordinances, things that aren't, or tree requirements, things that aren't sort of in the standard ordinance, Brian, are included. And, and that's an affordability challenge. And, you know, I guess I go back to what I said earlier, we were sort of on the front end of this um, and certainly received a lot of, you know, robust dialogue when we elevated this issue, you know, five years ago or so. Um, and, and now I, I, th I think the breadth of folks that are, you know, acknowledging this, including the Biden administration, it's one of their top priorities is to reform zoning. So I feel like, you know, there's a bit more of a consensus out there that zoning and affordability have a challenging relationship. Yeah, and I think in the Twin Cities now, the, the median or average home price is what, three fifty to 400000 kind of in that range, which is, yeah. it's, for, for an average working family, that's, a, that's, that's tough to, you know. It, it, it's very tough, Brian. And, and of course, the new single family is, is even higher and it's the highest in the Midwest. Katie can get you those numbers, you know, off, offline. But yeah, I mean, we're very concerned about about you know the erosion of affordability and we're, we're we're trying to you know invite a conversation to uh to you know get everyone to the table and try to modernize and try to fix this yeah what can you say about the impact of rising interest rates and do you see that as having a chilling effect on home building or i guess another way to look at it is people might want to get in before rates go even higher where do you What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, interest rates are a, a a big household consideration, right? So when we think about the housing market, you know, broadly, when you, you know, boil it down to a family or a household making a decision, you know, the interest rates matter. And, you know, as we look at, at this, um, you know, as folks consider a home buying decision, I think what's, what's coming now is, is they look at all the tools in the toolbox. Um, and the good news is, you know, banks, we just saw the, you know, banks have passed their stress test. Our, our lending standards are, are, are strong. And so we're, we're heading into, you know, sort of, you know, the, the, the Fed is taking these actions to cool inflation, which I think is a good thing. Um, a byproduct of that is, is, is interest rates, of course, um, fluctuating. I think historically, you know, if you're of a certain age, you know, five and, and three quarters, you know, feels somewhat historic, I think, in the last decade. This is clearly a, a rise in rates. So I think some alternative um, mortgage products, I think working with lenders more closely to explore, um, you know, how to, how to make home ownership happen because, you know, the rise in interest rates is met with a historic underbuilding. We've underbuilt for 15 years. In our region, if we're not the lowest, we are among the lowest inventory in the country. So the demand is incredibly high for home ownership. Rents are quite high. And, and now with interest rates, it is a major consideration, but I, but I think the focus for homeowners is going to be in, you know, looking deeper in that toolbox than they've had to do over the last few years when rates were low. Yeah. And of course, still 
very little inventory of new and existing homes out there. So combine that with demand and um, there's a, I guess it's no surprise that prices are going up, right? Well, and, and I think there's some, it's, it's, a, it's a good follow-up. There is, you know, this could increase the urgency um, among lawmakers to look at that regulatory modernization because we're so underbuilt, because the inventory, um, you know, crunch is so intense and interest rates have, have risen and, and have, have changed some of those dynamics. Um, what better time than now to really take an urgent look at providing more flexibility and letting the market respond? And if that means um, a two-car garage instead of a three-car garage, we ought to meet the market where it is. If that means a smaller functional space, single-family homes like we used to build in cities like St. Louis Park and Golden Valley, that's what the conversation we're trying to have. We want to build safe, durable homes. They're going to be the most efficient high-performing homes in the market, they just might be a bit smaller. And, and we think that's a good thing. And that's the conversation we, we hope to have. Sure. Um, I, when, when, when I think of housing first Minnesota, of course, I always think of parade of homes. What is your take on where parade of homes is heading and uh, any new wrinkles there or what, what is participation looking like? You know, I, I'm thrilled to, you know, be able to lead and, and build on that legacy. I mean, the, our parade of homes in, in this region is the, is the strongest and largest in the country. So we're very proud of that legacy. Um, very popular, obviously, among, um, you know, the residents of, of our state. You know, we've introduced, I, I think, some, some fun, um, you know, uh, incentives to, to come out and tour. You know, one is the, uh, our 10K giveaway, which is a, you know, something to help homeowners. It's an actual, um, you know, a, a contest where, where we've had four winners in our, in our spring tour and, uh, the, the response to the chance to win some down payment, um, assistance for first time home buyers was outstanding. So that was really fun. And, you know, that happens because the parade platform is, is over 70 years old. It is a respected and known, uh, institution. So we, uh, we plan to do, um, to use that platform to help educate and, and to help our industry members market their product. We, we are experts in connecting the home building industry to the homeowners of Minnesota and that will continue. Yeah. And. And just looking at your bio here, I know you're a um, graduate of University of Minnesota and a big Golden Gopher fan of uh, oh, what uh, you talk a little bit about your passion for the maroon and gold. I mean, I am I'm a college football fanatic and a gopher football fanatic. Um, you know, I, I'm a proud alum. Uh, my wife and I both graduated from the U and we've been season ticket holders uh, since we graduated. Travel to bowl games and uh, just uh, it's one of our, our favorite hobbies is is go for football. Yeah, and so you have strong roots in the community. Uh, I know what's uh, you know it's in your bio that you grew up in northwestern Minnesota cities of Menominee and Moorhead, and uh, now a Twin Cities resident. So Minnesotan through and through. I am, you know, I, I, I lived, I, I only lived away four years. I was in the, in the Navy for four years. I was on the, the Theodore Roosevelt, which is an aircraft carrier. And so I lived in Virginia while well, I lived on a ship for four years. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a proud Minnesotan. Well, great. Well, James, uh, it's been good chatting with you. Anything else that you'd like to add before we let you go? It's uh, 
there's certainly a lot of layers to the housing issue and i think we've just barely scratched the surface but um, yeah, well i just want to thank you brian for the opportunity and just look forward to you know convening and elevating a home ownership conversation in minnesota that's uh, that's that's what we're focused on here in the in the near term and we'll look forward to talking with you again soon absolutely likewise have a great day jim you bet thank you